Becky and I have been watching at night some, and just, she told me the other day, she said, we just need to laugh. And so we, um, we've been watching an old show, I thought it was called Tool Time, but Pastor Corey told me it's called Home Improvement. Do any of you remember Home Improvement? And I have laughed so hard, literally at times, I have slid off the sofa on the floor holding my sides, laughing. And I was watching last night, and um, after prayer, and we had eaten some, I had to come down to the church for a couple of things, and went back home, and I said, let's watch an episode before we go to bed. And so I was looking at this house, and the kids were teasing Tim about all the things that he had done that could burn the house down, how many times the fire department had been called out. And, and I was noticing the house looked like what we used to call a split-level home in the South. Do you know what I'm talking about, a, a split-level home? And, and I thought, wow, what a great illustration of what I want to talk about today and the, about living with the Holy Spirit. Because all of our lives, our marriages, our lives, personally, our church, is really kind of like a four-level home. If you could think of a house being four levels, and wouldn't that be nice to have a four-story home? Uh, as you get older, you probably need an elevator, but your house is kind of like a four-level home. It's not only the place where you live, it's not only your physical address and where you live at, but... Jesus, in Matthew 24, I love the King James Version of this. It said, he describes him as the good man of the house. But he's really talking about, as the more modern translations puts it, the homeowner, the person that's responsible for the home, but the homeowner has a master. And he talks about this man being responsible to his master for four areas of life. And those four areas are not only the place that I live, but it's the relationships that I have. It's my marriage, my children, my extended family. I called one of my nephews this week to encourage him and to pray with him. I've got an uncle, an older uncle, that I'm calling this week to, to call him and to pray for him and just thank him for his influence in my life. But as I thought about our families and these different areas of relationship, I realized last night, just, I was trying to watch the show, but then the pastor in me kicked in. There's just a fundamental attack of hell upon the family today, upon marriage, upon what it means to be a man, upon what it means to be a woman, upon what it means to have gender, whether you are, your gender is fluid or you are created male and female. And there's so much confusion about marriage today. And that's not an indictment against anybody. It's just a recognition that our enemy is not people, but our enemy is spiritual, and we're fighting a spiritual warfare that unfortunately, if you look at the culture, it looks like we're losing. So we have to stop and ask ourselves, what are we doing that's not working Politics is not answering it. Education is not answering it. Money is not answering it. But I think the key is coming back to that relationship, that fundamental relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit because no one can question the supernatural, phenomenal power that accompanied the early church as they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ and they saw bondages broken and removed, much like I believe that God did for some of you. But another level of that house is the business that you have or the vocation that you're in. 
the, the, the work that you do because your work reveals what you think about the Lord. And then there's that personal influence that all of us have. Just think about how many people, all the people in this sanctuary and all the people watching online, just think about how many people collectively we all know that's the sphere of our influence. As a matter of fact, there's not a one of you in this building, I suppose, that you know less than 100 people. And even the most uninfluential of us, we're going to influence at least five people to become just like us because all of us have this personal influence. So there are four levels of our home and our life. And the Holy Spirit several times is spoken of in the book of Acts as filling the house. How many of you have read that phrase in your Bibles before where it says the Holy Spirit filled the house? In some places it said it shook the house. And I've actually asked God not to shake this building. I ask him, please don't do that. But shake you and shake me, shake loose whatever in our life needs to fall away and Breathe a fresh breath of your air, of your Holy Spirit upon our lives, O oh Lord, to fill the house. And when I talk about myself, I want to be filled right up to my cranium. I want my mind so saturated with the Holy Spirit that when I read His Word, I hear the living Word of God, which makes me so very grateful for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I am grateful for that fellowship. I am grateful for that friendship that I have with the Holy Spirit. And it's vital that you see the Holy Spirit as a person. Because if you think of the Holy Spirit as an id, or if you think of the Holy Spirit as some ethereal being out there, you need to think of the Holy Spirit as God reveals himself, someone that you can develop a personal relationship with. Someone that you can have a personal friendship with. I'm looking around in here in this congregation this morning, people that I've had lunch with, people that I've laughed with, people that I've taken trips with, people that I, some that I haven't had the chance to have lunch with, and I'd love to have lunch with you and, and just be able to get to know you better. This pulpit is a thing. It doesn't have life in it. A tree is alive, but it's not a person. Do you see what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is a person, someone that expresses himself, has emotions and speaks to us, has will and has feelings. We are created in his image, which means we can think, we can act, we have will. If you would, stand with me out of respect for the word of the Lord. And let me read you one verse of scripture. And I want to read from John chapter 16 and verse 7, a very important verse that Jesus read, uh, gave us. <clears throat> but I want to read it to the, from the Amplified because it will expound upon some of these words. So here we go, John 16, verse 7. However, I am telling you nothing but the truth. When I say it is profitable, good, or expedient, and advantageous for you, that I go away. Now, what is Jesus saying? He's kind of pumped. He's kind of just jazzed that... He is about to finish the work he's done. He's going to die for our sins so that you and I can be forgiven and saved and set free. But he's kind of jazzed about the fact that now the Holy Spirit is going to come and he will be with everyone around the world. God's presence will be in our life. Jesus will be with us by the presence of the Holy Spirit. He says, this is good news for you. So we go on to read, because if I do not go away, the comforter, that's one of the words used for the Holy Spirit, the comforter, which means the counselor, the helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, that 
is revealed in the Bible how the Holy Spirit does all of these things in our lives and for us will not come to you into close fellowship with you, but if I go away, I will send him to you, read it with me, to be in close fellowship with you. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? I want the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I want it for you. I want it for me. I want him for all of us. So, Father, I'm asking you in the next few minutes on this day, when outside of salvation you blessed me with the greatest gift of all 47 years ago, my beautiful wife, I ask you now, Lord, to hear my prayer one more time. Fill this house. Fill my life, body, soul, and spirit again afresh and anew, just like you did in the book of Acts. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. You know, I was a fairly decent Greek student. Not great, but a fairly decent Greek student. And I thought I understood the word comforter. I read to you from the Amplified Version because I want you to understand the word comforter. That is until Becky and I got married, and I found out I didn't really understand the word comforter at all. You see, when we first got married, we were really po. We couldn't afford the last two letters of poor. We were po. Did anybody know what I'm talking about? We were po. And we would look at these nice comforters sometimes because we would walk through and Becky and I would do what? Something that was called, does anybody remember this phrase? Window shopping. And we would look at these nice, fluffy, down comforters, but they were so expensive. And I remember when we finally saved enough money to buy a comforter to put on our bed, and it was wintertime, and I thought all day long about snuggling with Becky under that comforter and pulling it around us. And when I got home that night and we went to bed, I was so eager and excited. The comforter wasn't there. I go, where's the comforter? She goes, oh, that's not for use. That's for looks. I was totally stunned. I thought we bought the comforter to use. But I soon found out there's a lot of things that you buy in marriage that you don't use. I stepped out of the shower. We only had one bathroom in those days. I stepped out of the shower, and there was a new, plump, fancy towel. I grabbed it, and I started toweling off. And Becky goes, what are you doing? I was a five-year-old. I, I don't know. I'm standing here wet and naked, and you're asking me, what am I doing? She goes, those aren't for use. Those are for the guests. I didn't know. I have since found out there are a lot of things at the house that I buy and pay for I don't get to use. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Well, let's, men, would you give me a hand? If you're not going to give the Lord a hand, get in here with me this morning. Don't leave me hanging by myself. This is my anniversary, and I want it to be a good one. <laughs> you see, comforter. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to spit. <laughs> the comforter is one who comes alongside to comfort us, to console us, to be with us. And so I was confused about that word after I married Becky. I thought, she's married an idiot. I really don't understand the word at all. So I went back to the Bible, and I really began to reflect upon this. 
And here's some things that that word comforter means. Number one, it means that the Holy Spirit guides me. He guides you. When, when you give your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes to live in with you, he guides you. And, and can I tell you this? He's my friend. He's not weird. Look at your neighbor and say, the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird, but the Holy Spirit's not weird. Okay? People do some weird things, but the Holy Spirit is not weird. He led me to Christ. He convicted me of my sins. He showed me the error of ways. He revealed Jesus to me. He made me aware of my need. He showed me how easy it was to get saved. He enables me to be a, a good person, a good husband, a good father, grandfather, pastor. He explains the word to me. He called me into a ministry. He anoints me. I beg him every week for that sacred anointing that breaks yokes and removes bondages. He ministers through me. There are times when I'm praying for people, and all of a sudden, I know how to pray. And I never said, the Holy Spirit told me this. That would be weird. I just simply began to pray what the Holy Spirit laid upon my heart, and I've seen so many times. And you can do the same thing as you seek the Lord so many times that God has answered that prayer and set people free. But the devil has lied about my friend, the Holy Spirit. And he's caused many people to be afraid of the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. Someone sent to me a weird video this week of people doing something that they said the Holy Spirit led them to do. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. That was just a weird group of people doing weird things. And I res responded. It says, there's nowhere in the Bible that records this kind of stuff happening. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. You see, the Holy Spirit is the only way through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and living with the Holy Spirit is the only way we're going to ever, ever be able to successfully live a Christian life. Living with Becky has changed my whole life. It's given me appreciation for things I would have never appreciated for, given me confidence that I would have never had confidence for. Her prayers have supported me. Her faith in me has supported me. She built my confidence this last week in ways that I just cannot explain to you because the people you live with can change your life for better or they can damage your life. And so it's important that we be spirit-filled people. Can you say amen? So that we become better people. The Bible says in John 16 and verse 13 that the Spirit shows us what is true and will come and guide you into all truth. He guides us into all truth. He glorifies Christ. He receives from Christ. He reveals the ministry of Christ, and he brings Christ's words to our remembrance as we need them. Secondly, my friend, the Holy Spirit empowers me. He gives me an ability that I do not possess on my own. That early church that I spoke about earlier, we're all fascinated by the spiritual power that was manifested through that church. We're all fascinated by the spiritual dynamic of that church, of when they prayed and they fasted and entire communities came to know Jesus Christ. Those that were demonized were set free. Suddenly that the gospel was reaching to the farthest reaches of the, of the Roman Empire and all the way to India. 
Only one person empowered them to do that, and that was my friend, the Holy Spirit. And that is still the same person that will empower you and me and every other Christ follower to reach the world for Jesus. And that's why the devil loves to lie about my friend, the Holy Spirit, and make people afraid of him because of weird people not because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Because the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. There are people that I've talked to who know me, know my life, and when you've lived in the community for almost 25 years, they will ask you questions about life and the Spirit, and some of them said, I need to apologize. I have said things about the work of the Holy Spirit. I have said things about the Holy... I just didn't know until I met you and began to talk to you. And not that I'm anyone, but it's why it's so important for you and I to live Spirit-filled and Spirit-controlled lives. I want you this week, along with Becky and I, I want us to begin to pray and tell the Lord how desperately we need Him. I want us to beg Him I want us to ask him. I want us to plead with him to fill us afresh and to fill us anew and to equip us and empower us because lost people matter to Jesus. Paul said, I didn't come to you with logical words and clever presentations or even a sharp intellect. And Paul was all of those things, but he wasn't relying upon his logic and his intellect. He relied upon the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, I came to you and the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want, not just here at 24101 Van Horn. I want it wherever you spread out with all of the people in the personal sphere of influence that this church has. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? Imagine us overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So I'm asking you to be open to his ministry. He's not going to cause you to run around this sanctuary shouting gibberish and flopping around like a catfish. He's not weird. People are weird. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, notice that, glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you within a strength through his Holy Spirit. I have a feeling this morning that some of you, when I came up this morning, what I hope was the leading, what I'm confident was, but you have to be the judge of that, was the leading of the Holy Spirit to stop the worship for just a moment and to pray with you. It's that some of you who feel broken inside, what you need is a fresh filling of God's Holy Spirit telling you, you are more than an overcomer. You were loved. You were forgiven. You were set free. You are healed. You were made in his image. You were made for more than this. Can we give him one more hand of praise this morning? He will empower you. <laughs> thirdly, thirdly, the Holy Spirit offers me unconditional acceptance. Unconditional acceptance. It's amazing to me when Jesus had the conversation with the woman at the well, and I have preached on this on, in the past, so I'll be very brief, but he, you see that what he does is he welcomes lonely people. This woman, because of her character 
and the failures in her life, she had to come to the well all alone. Coming to the well was kind of the social time of many women in that day and in that community. She was a thirsty person. The way God created us, it's Thirst is a vital part of our nature. I, I got up early this morning and I drank a glass of water before I, I made my coffee and, and then I went, just said it out loud. Oh, Lord, that was so good. And I popped the glass up against the fridge and drank another big glass of water and said, Lord, thank you and fill me with your Holy Spirit like this. I want more. Yesterday's experience is not enough. He welcomes broken people because this woman had already been through so many marriages. It was a continual habit. And maybe some of you or some of you watching online, you've had this continual habit that, that keeps breaking you down and keeps defeating you. And you've come to the place that you just think you can no longer make it. She had had so many failed marriages, and now she was living with a man which made her especially vulnerable. He welcomes sinful people because God doesn't reject us because of our sin. He welcomes us in our sin, and he forgives our sin, and he changes us, and he makes us into the people that he created us to do, and he did all of that by the power of his Holy Spirit. And that's why I think the woman at the well is such a beautiful example of what it means to be unconditionally accepted by Christ and filled with His Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians 1.13 from the message. I like this. It is Christ. It is Christ in you. Once you heard the truth and believed it, the message of your salvation, you found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. Underline that. Signed, sealed, and delivered. It makes me want to bust out in an old song. I bet some of you know what song I'm thinking about. And since it's old, then Dan, your band probably plays it somewhere, or you and Cammie probably sing it somewhere. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Baby, I'm yours. <laughs> Come on, victory. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> that was in the flesh. <clears throat> but it sure was fun. The Holy Spirit gives me a gift to help others. When, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, when you're living with the Holy Spirit, He comes to you and He gives you a gift. This morning we gave our gifts to the Lord in tithes and offerings. We gave our gifts to the Lord as we sang and we worshiped Him this morning. We, we have people giving their gifts by serving others in this congregation this morning. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that that spiritual gifts, these are gifts that God gives to each one of us, and I don't think 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 or Romans uh, chapter 12 are exhaustive lists. I think there are many gifts that aren't listed in the Scripture, but 1 Corinthians 13 tell us that all of these gifts operate by the Holy Spirit in love. So later when I share a gift with Becky, it will be an expression of my love for her. When you share a gift with somebody, it's an expression of your love for them. Sometimes people will give me a, a gift card, and I'm always grateful for those, but inevitably I find somebody that needs that gift card, or I, I find somebody that, that I just know that gift card would bless them, and so you've loved me, and I'm able to pay for the blessing by taking that gift card and just saying, you know what, take your wife to dinner, or here, take your wife, or take your husband out, or take your, your girlfriend out, because I, I've been able to just keep passing on the gifts, and what I find is 
is, is the more I give, God pours back into my life. The same thing happens when you use your spiritual gift. God pours back into your life. And the more you give and the more you serve by love, the body of Christ is encouraged and strengthened. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, read it with me, so we can help each other. I need you. I need what you can do in my life. And this might surprise you. You might even disagree with this. But it's the truth. You need me. We really need one another. Now, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes to live in our lives and we're living in Him. Now, I'd like to take, and just because I've preached on this many times before, and I'm going to be very brief with this, but I'd like to address something that sometimes concerns people and makes them come up with that weird lie that the enemy has spread about, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I am grateful for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's not only living in me, but Jesus said that we would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which means our lives would be submersed into Him. It's not that I contain the Holy Spirit when I'm saying I'm living with the Holy Spirit, but all of a sudden I find myself immersed into the... That's what the word baptized means. So not only am I grateful for the Holy Spirit, it is something that Jesus was very concerned about and that apostles were very concerned about. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 2, there were a group of Christians, they were already saved, they'd already been baptized, but Paul asked them this question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now we know the Holy Spirit was living in them. He was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and something happened when he prayed for them. It happened Three times in the book of Acts, there's five times that people are referred to as baptized in the Holy Spirit. Three of those times, they spoke in another language that some versions of the Bible call tongues. Some versions say praying in the Spirit. We use that term, praying in the Spirit, here at Woodland. But I'm going to use the word tongues just so we're clear this morning. Jesus said, excuse me, John said that Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit in fire. And Jesus said the primary purpose of this baptism with the Holy Spirit was not so that you could run around a sanctuary or not so that you could be weird. It was for evangelism. It was because lost people matter to God. He wanted to equip us with the same power and the same anointing that Jesus had. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me read you a quote from Leith Anderson, who is a good friend, or was a good friend to the Assemblies of God. He's in heaven now, but former president of the National Association of Evangelicals. He said, an evangelical is someone who takes the Bible seriously and believes in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's what Assemblies of God people are. We are evangelicals. But we believe that God still baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. In a couple of weeks, I'll be dealing with the subject tongues at length in a midweek service. But I want to explain for just a moment what the Bible means by this. Go back to that experience in, that we were just reading about in Acts chapter 19. When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Now, here's what I want you to know. 
praying in the Spirit, our tongues, and this should be in your outline. You may want to just fill this out. Praying in the Spirit, our tongues, are for confirmation, personal edification, prayer, praise, and adoration. They help us to praise God. They help us to worship God. It's about our personal prayer life. It's not about me preaching in tongues. On the day of Pentecost, when they were baptized in tongues, Peter didn't stand up and preach to the crowd of Jerusalem in tongues. Peter got up and preached in a language that everyone could understand. Does that make sense? That every, Paul said, and Paul said, when I am with you, I would rather speak five words that you can understand than to speak 10,000 words that you can't understand. You see, when you're praying in the Spirit, you're talking to God. You don't have the ability to understand it. You're talking to God. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, and notice that word if, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. Look at that again. You will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. In 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4, the Bible says a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. And then Paul goes on to say, and I know it's a lot of scripture, but just hold on and I'll wrap this all up. Well, then what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit. I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. You say, well, pastor, how do we know we're praising God? Because the Bible tells us that. But also, on that miraculous day of Pentecost, when people were gathered in Jerusalem, now this is important, listen to me, because you can neither prove or disprove from the scriptures that everyone is going to speak in tongues. You can neither prove or disprove from the scriptures that everyone is going to have this experience. But I think for those who want this experience, if you seek God for it, God will give you this experience because it personally edifies and it personally strengthens. I have preached in almost every denomination you can think of. And do you know what I'm asked to speak about in most of these denominations? Two things, my personal testimony of healing, and secondly, prayer in the Spirit. People are wanting to understand that. Because how many of you have ever run out of words to say when you're praying? Can I see your hand? You start to pray, and you feel like, I get started in about three minutes, I'm done. Five minutes, I'm done. I just, I, or maybe you feel like I'm in a rut with my prayer. Can I see your hands again? Just hold it up. It's a universal challenge. And so there are so many times I find myself when I'm walking, when I'm kneeling, when I'm praying, I quietly pray in the Spirit. I don't, I'm talking to God. I'm not talking to you. I leaned over to Becky this morning. I made sure my microphone was off, and I said, we are going to have so much fun later. <laughs> I didn't want you to hear that, and I'm probably going to be a lot of trouble for telling you that right now. 
I'm an idiot. Like I told you, I didn't know you were supposed to use the guest house. So here's the point. Don't judge my friend, the Holy Spirit, by people who do weird things. Look at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit and believe, look at your growth work, believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and then worship him. And this is the most important part. Leave the rest to him. Seek the Lord. Can you say amen this morning? Would you give him a hand of praise and let's say welcome Holy Spirit. Stand with me if you would this morning. Hallelujah. Father, I love you. I bless you. I pray that, God, you will take these words this morning. Life in the Spirit, Lord Jesus. You are our friend. You revealed Jesus to me. You convicted me of my sin. You showed me how easy it was to get saved. And, Lord, I am so sorry. My heart is broken, Lord. I am so sorry that so many people are afraid of my friend, the Holy Spirit. And Lord Jesus, I come this morning to bear witness to the promise that you made. You will be baptized in my friend, the Holy Spirit. That you were pumped. It's good for you. It's expedient for you. This is going to be great. The Holy Spirit is going to come and wait until you're baptized with him. And Lord, I thank you that in every century since the day of Pentecost, there have been people filled with your Holy Spirit. Now, secondly, Lord, I read the scripture this morning, and I know Lord, and I've just been as honest and candid as I can. I know that some people have not prayed in the Spirit, and that doesn't make them in any way inferior, their experience inferior to mine. And I'm sorry that some people have lied about that. But I do want them to have that personal prayer language that Paul had when they don't know how to pray any longer or when words fell them and they're in your presence and they long to say something that they will trust you Holy Spirit to magnify the Lord through them now God I know this has been about living with the Holy Spirit but I can't close without inviting people that have not given their lives to you or have wandered away from you to say yes to salvation this morning. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, and those of you watching online, this is, invitation is for you as well. The most important thing that the Holy Spirit, my friend, the Holy Spirit wants you to know. He wants to come and live in you, be in you, baptize you, but you have to to trust what Jesus did for you at Calvary. You have to trust that what Jesus did in shedding his blood for your sins not only forgives them, but breaks the power of sin in your life and makes you a new person. It's just that easy. The hard part was done by Jesus. 
the easy part is for you and me to say yes to him. So if that's you here in this building or watching online, would you pray with me right now? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for taking my sins to the cross. Thank you for giving your life in exchange for mine. And thank you, Lord, for letting me know that I can be saved. I can be set free today by putting my faith in you. I trust you, Jesus. Come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Now, if you prayed that, while everyone still just got their eyes closed, if you prayed that here, would you just lift up your hands and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with you this morning. Just lift up your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. I think I'm going to preach about the Holy Spirit more often. Anybody else? Is you committing your life to Christ? Well, let's give the Lord a hand of praise, would you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now on this joyous day that God has blessed Becky and I with 47 years later, may the Lord bless your home. May the Lord bless your marriage and your family and your children and your grandchildren with a legacy of love and witness that you pass down to them. And if you're looking for a spouse or for a mate, may God guide you to somebody that will share the deepest passion of your heart. And that's the love and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And may you be filled with this Holy Spirit so that your house and all four levels overflow with the presence of God. Go in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. God bless you. Amen.